0: You are listening to the Swap Moto Live podcast show, brought to you by our friends
1: at Ogeo. Hey, listen to the Swap Moto Live podcast, uh, presented by Ogio. We are here at uh, Petco Park in San Diego for the final West Coast round of the Supercross series, until it takes a little break. So today I am uh, going to spend time with Adam Cincerillo of the Monster Energy Pro Circuit team. And uh I guess man, AC last race before the break and we got a wet one.
2: Yeah, it's going to be interesting day, couple little dynamics. Obviously you want to go into the break with a, with a good result and uh points are super super close right now. So, uh between the top four guys, I think it's like four or five points. So, um it's imperative, very imperative that we, you know, go into the break on a good note here.
1: Mm-hmm. So, which which is the triple crown where things kind of the wheels kind of fell off
3: yeah
1: after that night were you just kind of like dude championship over or were you focused
2: no i mean definitely not after the after i ended up fifth overall somehow i got 14th in the second main got fifth overall and i was only eight points down so i was like game on like no no problem with eight points i mean not that it you know, not to be cocky, but eight points is definitely not a lot, and especially mm-hmm. in our class. And um, after Oakland last year, I think it was third or fourth round, and I was twenty down, and mm-hmm. I lost the championship by a point. So uh, that's the way I looked at it. And obviously, I I just told myself, I man, I just got to calm down a little bit. You know, when I when I get in the back like that, and um, you know, I, I want to get to the lead so fast. Sometimes I get a little bit ahead of myself, start thinking um, a little bit too far ahead, and and that's when little mistakes happen or in in a twos case a big mistake there in that second main but was able to escape relatively unscathed
4: yeah.
1: so what did you do different in oakland calm cool collected
2: yeah i mean that that was the plan uh, i felt terrible on the track all day and uh, i got a good start in the main ripped it when i needed to and um, i tried to manage it as best i could i know people people are like dude you're so sketchy like in the whoops and um you know wheeling the whoops and doing this doing that but i really feel like for one i have that narrative already mm-hmm. kind of you know thrust upon me i mean by my own doing but it's really hard to change a narrative like that so when people see a couple little things on tv they're like oh dude you're right on the edge and i was totally not on the edge i mean i was riding like 80 percent not no disrespect to anybody else but i, I don't if i rode 100 i'm not sure i could have gone too much faster yeah. but that was my whole deal is just to try to manage the race and um you know colt stuck it on me a couple times and i put in you could look at the lap times i put in my best two laps when he stuck it in on me and got a little gap he made a mistake france was there i saw that he was there and i kept the lead at like 2.5 seconds the whole time and made a mistake with two laps to go and um pulled it back out on him so it was just me managing the race and just being a little bit smarter
1: so the margin of victory was what
2: uh i want to say it was like 2.3 2.5 something like that so that's like
1: 13 seconds short
2: yeah yeah we had a little thing going but um we had a little bet going between you know you and if I. you
1: had won by 15 seconds and i had to wear your jersey today it's raining obviously would you have let me wear it under my jacket or would you have made me like? oh work?
2: absolutely not no it had to go <laughs> over no absolutely it's over Nice.
1: how do you prepare mentally for a race like today i mean it's like mud is your bud look forward to it or is it like are you nervous um
2: i mean this so the the way I mentally prepare for it is like, yeah, so it's easy to get nervous because there's a lot of things, you know, with the mud, it's more of you get nervous because there's stuff that's outside of your control. You know what I mean? You have to be a little bit more, you know, there's going to be guys crashing, guys doing this, guys doing that. But the, the, the thing I focus on when it comes to races like this is, is just doing w- the best task at hand. So whatever's in front of you, whatever's, you know, whatever you're presented with, whatever challenge, just mm-hmm. do it to the best of your ability and take it one step at a time. Don't think you know, what if I get a bad start and these dudes fall in front of me, do this. So execute the start the best you can execute practice the best you can. Um, just whatever challenge you're presented with, just focus one step ahead and don't focus any more than that. And that kind of puts the mind at ease a little bit for me.
1: How do you typically do in the mud? Are you a good guy?
2: Yeah. I mean, Seattle last year was pretty gnarly, pretty gnarly mud race. And I got like a last place start cause I was on the outside and I ended up getting third in that one. So, um, I've always felt really, really good in the mud. I mean, obviously I have longer legs and, um, yeah, I mean, I guess Anaheim one didn't show up, but man, I, that's like the, the most speed I felt like I had was kind of at a one, like mm-hmm. as far as, compared to those other guys. So we'll see. I don't know.
1: Okay, so this weekend is uh, military appreciation week. So the bike is all done up. Uh, it's funny on in person it looks way better than it did on Instagram when I saw it the other day. So what did they do to the fenders? Is some sort of special coating?
2: I have no idea what they did, Don.
1: Well, it's some sort of dip, right? The the camo is not a sticker; it's a dip that they put, put the, on the Yeah, I, I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> so, what do you think of the what do you think of the look?
2: I think it looks good. I think it's something different. I we didn't do anything for this race last year, graphic wise. So, I'm happy throttle sending kit stepped up and did something super cool and different. And um, I like the little sand camo. So, yeah, yeah. I got to go to riders' me though.
1: Okay. Well, hey, uh, I'll catch up to you after that. Sounds good. Ogeo has been around for three decades but it was in 2001 that the brand forever changed the way we think about gear bags. With never seen before features like specific storage compartments for your boots, helmets, gear and more the Ogeo 9800 is the most popular gear bag in motocross. Visit ogeopowersports.com Okay now I'm with uh, Brandon Zimmerman who has been Adams mechanic for how many years now?
5: I've been his race mechanic since uh, summer of 2016 But uh, before that, I was his practice mechanic in Florida for uh, close to three years. Okay,
1: so that being said, you're very well acquainted with Adam. You know what pushes his buttons. You know how things work with him. How do you feel about a mud race going into the break tonight?
5: Um, I never like a mud race as a mechanic. I don't think anybody really does. Um, There's a lot of things that could just go wrong. But at the same time, it's the same for everybody. So uh, it also kind of levels the playing field.
1: What about your rider? Like, Is he a good mud, mud guy? Does he uh, struggle in the mud? Does he freak out?
5: He, he has his moments. Um, you know, He's from Florida, so they deal with a lot of rain. Yeah. Him and I have practiced in the rain in Florida many times. But um, as far as race situation, he tends to maybe not, not do as well as, as he's capable in the mud because um, you know it's, it's just sketchy conditions and tends to uh, kind of overthink it.
1: So talk about the season so far. We've had two dominant wins and two races where he didn't win. It looks like he maybe spazzed out a little. I mean, what are your thoughts on it?
5: Yeah, I mean, I, he definitely did. And uh, and we're all aware of that, and he's very conscious of that and aware. And it's just something we've been, um, you know, trying to work on, and or he's been trying to work on mentally, you know, for himself. But um season's still been good. I mean, it's we're still, I feel like we're early, and uh, there's still a lot of races to go. But yeah. Uh, it's going it's going well
1: yeah how is he uh, how's he to work with after the race like if it doesn't go so well
5: it's it's not bad I mean he's he's hard on himself enough Uh so I don't need to be hard on him by any means and um, he's got the right people in his corner you know we're all trying to help him and trying to you know show him what he he needs to do to to get better but you know he's bummed when he doesn't do well because he works so hard we all work hard and, yeah. and we all want to win and that's a uh, that's really the only thing we want is, is a win
1: so the mechanic rider relationship <laughs> it's really important because you're the last guy that talks to him on the starting line um, but they're all, all those relationships are different you know some guys are super tight some guys the mechanic is just the mechanic you know um, what is it like with you guys
5: I feel like we're, we're very tight. Um, I, I consider, I consider him my friend. We, uh, like I said, we've been together really since 2013 is when I started working for him. And we used to spend every day at the practice track in Florida. And then, uh, we used to live together. We'd come to California and we would, uh, live together for sometimes six months at a time. So, you know, we're seeing each other every single day at the track. And then every single night we're watching TV together. We're eating dinner. We're going to the movies, we're hanging out. So, um, we're, we're very tight. And, uh, you know, we have a really good relationship
1: so are you a call of duty guy too then
5: i am not he always tried to get me to play and i'm just not i'm not good at video games so i, I can never do it i always i tried but i can't do it
1: nice. okay so for the bike itself today mud prep what is different about the bike
5: um not a whole lot for sure we're gonna do uh we're gonna do a different front uh brake caliper it's got a little bit bigger pads with more surface area uh, usually in supercross we run a thin pad it's lightweight and uh, you don't you know because you don't need as much pad so for the mud we'll run that probably going to do some some foam to uh, prevent some of the mud building up around like the shifter and the brake pedal we've got different tire options ready but we're just going to kind of see how the day shapes up before we do anything drastic we also have like an option for a fan to keep the bike cooler so we're we're considering those options right now
1: yeah and obviously you have the foam taped everywhere and all that stuff
5: yeah foam and try to use like yeah some silicone spray and cover some of the holes on the air box maybe and you know an an outer cover for the air filter to prevent water from possibly getting sucked in
1: with conditions like this do you ever change the mapping or the tuning of the bike because the bike's obviously going to be under a heavier load like do you have to take the durability of the bike into consideration engine wise
5: yeah for sure they'll they'll work with mapping depending it all depends how muddy the track is or how if it's raining or you know so yeah they'll they'll work with uh, the ECU and the, the timing and things like that and also um, you know we got gearing which will you know maybe instead of doing something with the ECU we can just change gearing which will kind of almost do the same effect mm-hmm. so yeah.
1: And then Will you replace the clutch more often than you normally would like can you get through a Supercross on one clutch or is he a clutch every time guy?
5: Yeah, well, Adam's a clutch guy, so uh, if it's a normal weekend, I'm changing the clutch every time he comes off the track, and uh, with a mud race, it's just, it's the same deal, it's the same deal. Hopefully, you just hope you get through it.
1: Uh, military appreciation week tonight. The bikes look sick. Like I, have to, I was telling Adam, they didn't look that right on Instagram, but in person, they're pretty impressive. A- what do you think about the bike and the look? And B, it's a shame that's gonna get all brown on the first lap.
5: Yeah, it's 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 terrible. It's gonna get it's gonna get messed up. But uh, I feel like that happens to us every week. Um, we 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 put a lot of time and effort into our bikes, not only making them look good, but making sure they're just top notch and everything's been meticulously checked out. So it sucks every weekend when they have to ride it, but uh, it's definitely gonna get muddy and it's gonna mess it up. But our bikes are sick this week. We literally went all out with. Uh, hydro dipping our plastics with some camo, and then working with our graphic company Throttle Syndicate to get a good scheme with our graphics, and all the logos are dialed in. We even got helmets done up and our gear. The yeah. guys are going to be looking good head to toe all the way down to the bike.
1: Okay, whose idea was the the dipping the plastic and the way it looks?
5: It was actually the boss man's idea, Mitch. Yeah? He uh, he came in one day and he was like, you know what, we need to hydro dip our plastic. And we were <laughs> like, what? Like, he usually wouldn't. He's not really into the looks of the bikes that much. He's a horsepower guy. Yeah. And for him to say that, we were like, okay, let's do it. And uh, we really came up with something very unique and very cool.
1: Yeah. Uh, how does hydro, hydro dipping work? Is it like the decals on your model airplanes when you
5: little? Well, essentially it's, it's, it's a liquid that has, and I don't know exactly, but somehow the, the graphic is floating, floating on top of, of this liquid. And they take the fender or the shroud and they just dip it straight down into it, and it, and it, it adheres somehow. And uh, it's pretty technical. I, I don't really, I can't really explain it, but it looks really cool.
1: And then the guys at Throttle Syndicate essentially made you a graphic kit that's clear.
5: Yeah, yeah, they gave us a, a clear graphic kit. So it's got the same logos, but it doesn't have like the actual design that we're used to running. So you can see the the camo hydro dip behind the graphic, and you still got the logos in certain areas. Yeah. All right,
1: so the helmet matches perfect. What, what gear is Fox putting them in? Do you have any idea?
5: Yeah, it's kind of like a, almost like a tan brown, oh, almost so like a digicam. It'll it'll match our helmet, our goggles, and our bike, like, almost completely. So from
1: the stands, the guys are going to look muddy before they even get on the track.
5: Yeah, yeah, that, that, <laughs> that's probably a good thing this weekend. So they're gonna they're going to look muddy anyway, so it'll be cool.
1: good. Cool. Well, hey, I'll let you get back to uh, last minute tuning on the bike, but uh, I'll be checking in with you later then.
5: Yeah, sounds good. Thanks. Hey what's up guys, Malcolm Stewart, this off season I've been training harder
2: than
1: ever getting ready for 2019 and I've been using Rhino Power supplements before, during and after my training and has made a big difference, especially the motivation pills.
0: Use Moto as your discount code at checkout for 10% off your purchase plus free shipping on rhinopower.com.
1: I'm here with uh, team owner, boss, guru, engine wizard Mitch Payton and Mitch we've got a mutter on our hands, what are your thoughts?
6: Um, I mean there's nothing you can do about it, they're, they're doing the best they can do, I think they've still got it covered and we'll get one practice in and that's probably the right decision because if not then the track would be pretty tore up mm-hmm. so it'll be fine, it just yeah. is what it is.
1: Yeah. I was asking Brandon if, the, if he does or the team does anything different to the bike engine wise? Mapping, tuning, gearing for the mud because you know to, to protect against engine failure?
6: No, not really. I mean it, it's I mean, you want to try to make sure you don't clog the radiators. That's probably the worst thing for heat. Um, and they'll run some uh, fuel cell foam around some parts to keep mud out of the skid plates and all that stuff. And depending if it's standing wet water or something like that, twin air makes a filter cover to go over the filter so you don't get water in there. Those are the simple things, but everything else is just run. and then depending if it's real deep, maybe you would change the gearing, but we'll probably just start off where we're at right now.
1: Alright, Military Appreciation Week. The bikes are decked out in uh, digital desert camo. I heard it was all your idea.
6: Well, we wanted to do something kind of cool, and I didn't know how we could do it with stickers, so we looked into that. It's called hydro dipping. Mm -hmm. So we did the the plastic in a hydro dip, uh, and then uh, Throttle Syndicate made us a graphic kit that's clear. You know, it's printed on clear, yeah. and then we popped all the logos back, so it's all just kind of browns and blacks, and tried to make them look kind of cool. But it and it's it turned out really good. And AP did some really cool helmets yeah. for them, and Fox has gear that matches it, so they should look really good.
1: Cool. And you said it was like three grand to dip four sets of plastic. Yep. So. Three bikes, one extra.
6: Or we did uh, we did four sets of plastic for the race bikes. So each guy has two sets. Yeah.
1: Through the years, what has been what you think is the coolest looking race bike you've
6: had? There's been a lot. Um. Well, the peak bike the first year, just because nobody expected it, and and that was that was a pretty cool bike. Um. And that was. That was Kenny Safford and Troy, who helped with that. And then, uh, everybody really liked the Chrome bikes. Yeah. Remember the Chrome? Yep. The Those chrome- had to
1: have been hard to keep up or maintain. Was that plastic fragile, the
6: Chrome did? It was just expensive. Even back then, it was really expensive. So like, we we just, we did it, and we had a plan to race all year, and I'm like, dude, it's gonna break us. like. <laughs> But it was, it was fun to do, and everybody still remembers those bikes, so that's, that's been a pretty cool one. And then I actually like these. Um, I kind of like that 99, uh, the 99 bike. That was a Troy design, him and Maki. Um, and it had Metal Flake. And, and the Metal Flake was pretty cool, too. So there's been a few. There's been, actually, there's been a lot. Like, you just have to look down the line at them, and there's some of them, you know, Troy designed the majority of them for us through the years, and, like, we would get them kind of close on paper, and then he'd come over, and, oh, I think it should be red right there, you know, and, like, <laughs> wow, that's pretty crazy, but he's usually got a really good eye for that stuff.
1: Hey, the Peak Bike. That, that blue wasn't a blue that was in production for plastic and stuff. So was so this stuff actually
6: painted? Yep. The, the peak bikes, because the AMA rule, we couldn't run an aluminum tank. So we had to run a production tank. And uh, so we got... We were sponsored by UFO plastic. And I want to say they didn't have it or something like that or they couldn't get it. So I think we, I, I, the first ones were all painted and the worst part of it was the gas tanks because the gas tank was red underneath and like it would bubble and wear off or whatever. So we would have to bring, back then we would bubble wrap and bring the tanks home and Troy painted gas tanks every week. Every week? Yep. Wow.
1: And then I remember the first race you guys had reflective numbers and so in your mind that was for pop right to, to to make the bike stand out but did uh did all the photographers have a uproar when they developed their slide film and
6: yeah that that was i think that was troy's idea too like the reflective so it look all cool in the stadium and all that but we didn't kind of expect the other part so like like you said when they shot the photos everything would be a flash and it would be a mess so all we you not see was the numbers yeah So we had to change that.
1: It's funny, because nowadays, even if, uh, you know, we're shooting a test photo or something, and if there's a little bit of that reflective stuff on gear or, you know, sometimes the off-road jackets and stuff, the thing is, is the cameras, the flashes are so sophisticated that it detects this light coming back, so it shuts down the the f-stop of the camera. So, yeah, reflective is a big (laughs) no-no with the big, giant numbers.
6: We ran hologram a lot, too, but that's not as bad, right? Like Yeah, no hologram doesn't shoot that. Yeah.
1: What are your thoughts about the whole military appreciation uh, theme?
6: Well, obviously, they deserve it. I mean, they're the ones, they put their ass on the line constantly for everybody to be able to speak their mind and all that, which some people shouldn't have the rights. But anyway, uh, no, I'm pumped. If we could give something back to those guys, I think we should do it.
1: Adam's got, got two big wins and two races where he kind of spazzed out, but fortunately he's only a couple points out. Um, sum up his season so far.
6: Well, I think you just did. So I think, <laughs> I think the at Anaheim 1, you know, he had the whole shot, hit the inside of the bank, and it kind of kicked him out, so he went off the track. And then I think he panicked and went a little bit too hard to try to get up front and made some other mistakes. And then uh, I think it was A2 at the Triple Crown. There was a couple mistakes there also. But overall, I mean, I'm happy with how he's riding. He's obviously proven that he's fast, and we just gotta have a little bit better consistency and just keep going, it's a long way. We're only, we're only halfway, so, yep.
1: What are your thoughts about the series? You know, it's done it like this forever, where it's like, you know, the West Coast gets rolling and just as guys really get in the rhythm, boom, goes East Coast. And then the guys come back, you know, a month later for a couple of rounds.
6: Well, I don't know what you can, can't really do anything about it. I mean, it, it's been that way for forever, you know, the, the idea of having the, the two different coasts. Um, and I still, I know some people think it should be one series, but I agree with having it two. Because not, not so much for us, because we're going to be at every race anyway, but for a privateer. It makes it to where it's feasible maybe for a, a kid to be able to afford to do the Supercross Series because it's not you know 17 rounds mm-hmm. so I agree with it and I think schedule wise it's good um, and then now we're back to kind of the old days where the east-west meet mm-hmm. you know during the middle of the season which you know they used to do in the 90s and stuff like that so I think that's cool yeah.
1: so there's a lot that's been said about the, uh, the mysterious way uh, you keep which coast your riders are racing a secret and under wraps until the last second. Uh, Do you usually know well in advance you just keep everyone on their toes or is it you just wait to see who's doing what a couple weeks before?
6: No it's, it's really not like like a strategy it's just we want to line up two really good guys that are healthy and there's been a lot of times where in the past where if we the guys that were going to ride west coast and one of them gets hurt and then you try to grab your east coast guy he'll tell you well i, I don't know if i'm ready yet so like i tell him they should all be ready in january and if they ever you know like if you ever wanted to be a 450 guy regardless you have to be ready in january right so like they should all be ready in january
1: did you know right away though that adam was going to be west from the start is that is that what you have in the books because i know that's what he wanted
6: um well, he wanted that, and that's okay. As long as we're, you know, if, as long as he's healthy and riding well, and but if he had like a, you know, a tip over and a little nagging injury, I would probably pop him on the East Coast just because it's the right thing to do. But no, I don't. I don't have a problem with it.
1: Okay, he's the uh, veteran of the team. He's been around you the longest. I mean, he's been riding for you since he was on minibikes. What is he like as a personality to manage?
6: Um, and, like I really don't have any complaints. He's been a great kid since he was, you know, a little kid. So
1: He was like the 20-year-old, 10-year-old, right?
6: Yeah. He's always real smart. Yeah. He obviously was a little ahead of his years, you know, in speaking and things. But, like, also, like, I give him credit for, like, he's one of those kids that's, like, a, a student of the sport. You know, like, he watched tons of videos of old races and stuff like that to try to prepare for stuff and like you can talk about I remember him and Joey being over the house and we dug up or looked up some old like old supercross races with like Pedro and stuff and they're like they knew all about it yeah. so like it's cool yeah. that they are fans enough to to follow it and know know about the past and I think it helps them
1: okay well uh what are you looking for tonight in the mud Is, have you passed on any words of wisdom to them Brandon and uh, Adam
6: no, not yet. We haven't really talked about it. We've got, we got all day, I guess. <laughs> we got until like 5 o'clock. We'll, have to, we'll just see how the track is. I mean, they need to go, get out there and ride that first practice, and then it depends on really how much it rains, but they know what they need to do. For
2: over six decades, Scott Motorsports has pushed the limits of innovation, providing our customers with the most advanced technology available. Scott is honored to be the exclusive eyewear sponsor of the Swap Moto Live podcast. Athletes such as Chad Reed, Justin Barja, and myself, Adam Cientrillo, require the best performance, which is why we choose the Scott Prospect Goggle. Recognized as the number one goggle in racing, Scott is proud to be made in the USA. Check out scott-sports.com and see their complete line of high performance goggles.
1: Okay, how is how is riders mean? Did you make it on time or were you fine?
2: No, I made it on time and there was no other riders there essentially. There may be, I'm going to say ten guys.
1: Really? Yeah. I thought it was mandatory.
2: Yeah, it is. I, I mean, I don't. I don't know. I think everybody had the idea staying in the city, maybe catching some lunch, chilling. Yeah. You know. All
1: right. So we have a long time, a lot of downtime because what's first practice like? Three forty-five or something?
2: I think it's actually. I think I three forty-five is track walk. Five PM is the first practice.
1: Oh, okay. All right. So you're you're in the pits here, and you're watching golf on your phone.
2: Yeah, I have the NBC. Well. So I paid for the NBC Sports Gold Supercross and Motocross Pass anyway. So I figured while I was there, I'd pay for the Golf Pass. Yeah. Watch my boy Fowler. Yeah. He's 300 on the day. He's got a three-shot lead currently.
1: Did your boy Fowler give you some tips?
2: Yeah, he actually did the other day. Did I, Yeah.
1: Did they help right away?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't gone back to the right. range since, but I sent him a, um, a slow-mo on my swing to get me like some tips, and I'm still kind of swinging a little out to in told me to tuck my right elbow a little bit feels good to talk to somebody cool like that you know it makes me feel cool
1: when we played golf i was blown away by the golf terminology slang and lingo that you're shooting out like how do you pick that up do you study it that is it from because they don't the announcers don't speak like that on no. tv
2: no it's not from tv it's from it's just like I have a lot of golf buddies now. Like golf has introduced me to like a whole different friend group. Like, so I kind of originally started golfing with my, with my, with with Cole and Christian for one. They got me into it. And then I started golfing with um, my sister's boyfriend Ricky, who is based. He's basically in the same friend group I would be in if I went to school. Like when I was younger. Like, uh, you know, he's from my hometown, and so I kind of pick up the slang a little bit from him. And then you just play, and I don't. Know, I come up with my own terms now. I'm like i'm all over the place it's consumed my life like the the terminology i use in everything i say pretty much
1: okay so i imagine that you approach motocross with that same uh studious attitude and enthusiasm
2: yeah i mean obviously golf is just fun and that's what that's what's really actually brought my golf game to the next level is just like not getting mad at myself i just go out there and have a good time and most of the time i'm way better but uh, motocross is more of like a I don't know. It's I guess it's a. Uh, I have more serious implic. There's more serious implications with it. You know what I mean. So obviously I, I approach it with with more enthusiasm than I do golf. When I go home, I'm not like, I'm not like watching YouTube videos for six hours trying to figure out how to you know uh, hit a high cut on, you know over a bunker or anything you know. But I am going home watching Chad Reed, Anaheim 2004 on YouTube trying to figure out how he's so good in the whoops or something like that you know. So. I don't know, it's a little bit different because it's newer to me. Like, I've been I've been riding so long, and, and golf is newer, but I, I still have, I would say, more enthusiasm for riding, even though I have been doing it forever.
1: Mitch was saying that uh, you're such a student of the sport, you even knew about, like, Pedro Gonzalez on the team.
2: Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, San Jose Supercross 1995, I believe he won. Oh, yeah, no, I, I know everything, man. I mean, not everything, not as much as you guys, but um, – I don't know, I mean, I guess it's just, it's organic for me, because I just like it, just like just like you do, you know, I just like the sport, so it's just natural to, doesn't really feel like I'm learning about it. A lot of the times when I'm like so, you know, studying, I guess you would call it, most of the time it's just for entertainment for me, because I enjoy it.
1: Okay, so we have what, six hours before, what are you going to do, just sit here and watch golf, you're going to warm up on the bike? Uh
2: yeah, no, well, I mean, I'm just passing some time right now, but, um, yeah, I think we'll, we'll probably go back into the city, get some lunch, come back, and I'll probably do a more extensive warm-up, like maybe 20 or 25 minutes on the spin bike, as opposed as opposed to my normal, you know, five or ten minutes. I, obviously, we only have one practice, and it's super important to go out there. You're going to be cold. It's going to be, you know, the, the speeds are going to be slow because it's going to be muddy, so... That'll be important. I'll get um, Steve Navarro, my uh, Cairo guy, to kind of crack me up and get me stretched out. Um, but yeah, I mean, try to stay as mentally in it as possible. Like even it's, it's something little as like right now we're sitting outside under the tent in a lounge area. Like I feel like it keeps me a little bit more connected to what's going on. As if you know, if I was in the lounge right now, kind of by myself and secluded. Like I like to kind of stay in the environment and stay. Um, just familiar with the surroundings, I guess. It probably sounds weird to people, but I think it makes a difference.
1: What will be your approach to the first practice? Um, Like, is it, are you lying, like the track was, is covered, so it'll be better when you first go out there than it probably will be during the race? Will you go through corners and think about obstacles, like, hey, when this is super shitty, I won't be able to jump this? Or, or what is
2: it? No, the, I think my thinking right now is, it's going to be important to get out and practice first because it's going, to be, it's going to be a little bit wet and it's going to be raining at the time. So it, you're going to want to get out, get out there first and jump the jumps as soon as you can to get a good lap in. And I think for me it's not about obviously being fast today in practice. It's about just doing like a just a solid lap. It put me somewhere in the top five. Put, or even in the top seven, I mean, what's that third, fourth gate pick for the heat race? That'll be fine. So I think it's just about getting a solid lap. And I think a lot of the guys, especially in our class, man, they're going to go nuts because it's 10 minutes practice and they're going to be like, oh, God, we got to qualify, we got to qualify. And we got to remember, too, we don't know how much it's going to be raining and if it's going to be more, uh, it's going to be faster in the B practice. There could be guys, you know, we can be barely making the main, you know, if you look at it that way. So just put in a solid lap and just focus on. You don't even focus on anything other than just a task at hand i won't be thinking about all oh, in the race this will be a double or you know whatever just mm-hmm. do the best that we can and just yeah
1: well you uh obviously goggles are different for the rain i'll probably talk to Knowles later but gear wise beneath your gear are you going to do anything different is it important for you to stay dry i mean as impossible as that seems like will you wear anything special underneath or is it just run it
2: I might wear some type of base layer. Fox makes a, kind of a tighter shirt you can wear underneath your chest protector. I might wear that, but um, I've never, like even at Anaheim 1, it was we knew it was gonna be raining. I didn't wear anything different. I, I grew up in Florida, man. We rode in the rain like three times a week, so it is what it is. I'm not afraid of a little way. It's not like it's gonna be 35 degrees either. It's, I think the low is like 57, so it's not like we're freezing out here.
1: Right on, dude. Well, uh, I'll catch up with you later on.
6: Sweet. Hi, uh, I'm Mitch Payton from Monster Energy Pro Circuit Kawasaki team and I just want to give a shout out to Throttle Syndicate, Um, it's a new name but it's the same company that's been around for uh, 30 years, we've been with them since the very beginning in 1991 and they're a big part of why our bikes always look the way they do, we're really proud to have them involved and hopefully they have a good year.
0: Visit ThrottleSyndicate.com to view the full range of customizable graphic kits, gripper seat covers sticker kits and more use promo code swap live at checkout for a 20 percent discount off your order
1: all right i've got chris beaker on stop from fox racing who is uh i guess you dress ac right
3: well uh, we supply the we supply the product he dresses himself
1: <laughs> <laughs> Our military appreciation uh theme tonight uh i've seen the bike i've seen the helmet um what color gear are you guys putting them in? Is it something special or is it right off the shelf?
3: Yeah, so we did a special kit for this weekend. It's uh, like a sand tan color. We have uh, we did racewear and matching boots, and uh, it's actually a limited edition run that you can purchase. Oh, you can buy it.
1: Is it. What platform is it? it Flexair or 360, 180?
3: Uh, it's on the 360, and so PC guys are wearing it as well as Kenny and Reed.
1: Mm-hmm. When you say limited edition, like how many sets do you guys produce? for sale
3: man i'm not sure what this uh, the size of this but it's probably somewhere between a thousand and two thousand sets i'm assuming
1: and curiously would would you produce the same number of boots and the same number of gear sets or is it like do more people buy the gear or more people buy the boots
3: uh yeah a smaller run of boots probably only a few hundred pair of boots Mm -hmm. is there a helmet that matches uh no we didn't do a helmet
1: for this one because guys were a different brand helmet here and kenny wears a red bull paint shop yeah yeah, yeah. so all right so you've been working with uh ac for a couple of years now a few years is he a picky gear guy
3: no i mean i think ac is pretty easy to work with um he's he's particular uh about his gloves uh so we do some special stuff for him and his gloves and what is that well he's He's uh, kind of in between sizes, and um, so we, we we make a custom size club for him. And then he also wears the uh, 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 wrist braces. So we we actually put the little pods that the wrist brace fits in. We actually do those in house for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but
1: yeah, cool. What's the craziest stuff you've had to do for a rider, as far as as far as like uh, you know? Someone wants something special, or guy can only have gloves that are washed twice first, or something like that. Well,
3: well, of course, there's like the, you know, some guys like their gear pre-washed before they give them to them. Some guys like their gloves pre-washed. Um, Why did they say that? Because new
1: gear scratchy.
3: I don't. Yeah, I don't know if they would think it's softer or, or it shrinks a little bit. Um, but back in the James Stewart days, I used to like break his boots <laughs> yeah. in for him. Yeah. So. <laughs> That was always I, fun. I,
1: I think I may have had to do that too. <laughs> so i mean Did he used to like, did you used to break boots in and you're like, oh, they're really broken. And you give it to him. And he's like,
3: did you wear these? Uh, yeah, I've, um, there's, you probably have taken a picture of me wearing his boots around the pits because yeah. he didn't think they were soft enough. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, one time I sent Steve's boots back with rice, Japanese rice. in them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny. So, uh, we we talked about the different levels, like the tonight's gear is three sixty. Are the PC guys typically in a three sixty kit or is it it varies, right?
3: Yeah, it varies with them. Like they, they actually will run all three of our, our styles, so you know they'll be in our, our premium gear set of Flexair three sixty and then they also have run um, the one eighty stuff every
1: now and then. Uh, because today's muddy, do you bring more gear than normal or, or the uh, same because there's less practice in?
3: Um, yeah, no, we, we brought more for this weekend knowing that, um, I mean, I was assuming the, the practice schedule would get uh, shortened like it did, so they, they'll have enough product for, to, for a new set for practice, a new set for heat race, uh, LCQ if that happens, and main event.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, a normal dry race, so that that's the same schedule, like one time for every, every uh, no. time on track?
3: Now, for for a normal race, they'll have uh, we give them a set for for practice, and then they have stuff for uh, for the for the night show. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, they get new gloves every time they ride. Um, someone like like rocks him, for example, we he actually gets a gets more than say the PC guys on product wise, and it's just because he he's he's very picky about having wet like he hates having wet gear on. So like we make sure he has a dry set every time he hits the track.
1: So like if he sweats out his. Handshake glove during autograph signing, he's got to put on a dry one.
3: Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> that's correct.
1: Uh, all right, well, uh, I can't think of anything else. I want to know about gear, you know.
3: Well, let's just hope uh, Let's hope the weather holds off and uh, everyone gets to see this nice colored, tan, sand colored gear tonight. Not... You
1: won't be able to tell when it's muddy. I know, they'll, they'll blend right in. <laughs> I want to know, boot-wise. So, like, you know, Stu, with the things wanting to be broken and everything. So the new style and technology of boots with a hinge, easier to break in. Like do your, do your guys, Kenny, the PC guys, do any of them just race with a brand new pair of boots out of the box?
3: Um, we we like to give them to them at least a week or so before, just so they the it's they they've worn them before. It's an, it's not really a break-in period because you know Kenny and Chad and all these guys, they have worn boxes or boots out of the box out of race. Mm-hmm. So, but we like to we like to get them to them beforehand just so they can ride them a couple times just so that you know they're they're comfortable with it.
1: Yeah, and is everybody in a uh, standard instinct?
3: Um, the only thing that we do different for our guys would be a, a custom size,
1: mm, like a half size or something. Yeah. Cool. Right on, Beaks, Thanks, buddy. Right, thanks. Hey guys, Han
2: Lawrence here. Lately I've been spending a whole lot of time at the mountain bike trails in the local area on my Intense Primer and the thing's badass for how good it is going up the hill it's uh, amazing coming down the hill it's uh, comfortable nimble and it doesn't feel uh, like you're going to go over the bars every five seconds Uh, all their bikes in their lineup are awesome so yeah you're ready to get serious about training on a cross-country bike or crushing lap times at your local trails or if you want to go a bit further, longer and faster. They they just brought out a new Taser e-bike, which is, uh, yeah, everyone's given the double thumbs up on, so head down to your local Intense dealer or, or purchase uh, directly at IntenseCycles.com. Check it out, guys. All
1: right, I'm here with Nick Way, Team 27 Moto Mafia crew, who has been training Adam for uh, over two years now, right?
4: Yeah, I guess we started working together in the... Uh... Some of the nationals in 2016, and then um, yeah, so last year pretty full time, and then this year I took over the the job of managing and structuring his his training, uh, along with his uh, with the riding coaching and, and stuff. So yeah, we pretty ramped up my time with him this last year, and um, happy with the progress we've been making.
1: Okay, on the most on the most ignorant level and I, I'm not trying to offend you by saying this, but like, I know that there be people that would think how is Nick way coaching Adam on riding when Adam is at this certain level and Nick was at this level. I mean, obviously I know that there's plenty of insight and, and benefit to be had, but you know, people that would think that like message board kooks and stuff, you know, what does a guy have to offer another guy just because he's done it before?
4: Yeah, I'll, through my career I, I learned a lot. I worked with uh, Jeff Stanton and Rick Johnson. Um, rode a lot with Ryan Villapoto all through his career. When he first started racing pro, he rode with me most of the time and we did a lot of the training together. Um, I, the bulk of my career I spent trying to Excel at the high, highest level, whether I had the support I needed or not, um, in the in the, the which is the 450 class. So obviously I was you know was up against some steep competition the whole time, but I was driven to try to you know to be a winner. Um, so yeah, I learned a lot over my career as far as like different approaches with the training and and riding and things like that. And I certainly I feel like I was uh, had the tools that I needed to to be. A bit more success, successful than I was, and I, I feel like a lot of that was uh, maybe my mindset. But certainly, I've tried a lot of different approaches with training, and um, have experience with stuff myself. And then working closely with, um, well, training alongside Ryan, and also riding with him as a friend through you know his, you know, successful part of his career. I know it, there wasn't it wasn't for a lack of effort and things I was doing with with training, but. Um, yeah, Adams definitely had the determination to be a consistent winner, but we've been working on his fundamentals and trying to improve his overall consistency as a, you know, a race winner and a championship contender.
1: So, you know, as someone who's been around you quite a bit through the years and, you know, I'd say we're pretty good friends, you can watch how you approach everything that you do with a real analytical, deliberate approach. So, <clears throat> that being said, you've studied you know in the time that you're around at uh rv and those kind of guys so you definitely have knowledge and experience to share with adam so i'm imagining he benefits greatly from what you have to offer and does he listen to the things that you have to say Uh, is he like a sponge or is he brush some stuff off
4: no that's what's been cool is from the get-go um you know, if I say, hey, line up four inside of the box, it, he's going to pretty much, he's going to, he's going there 100% mm-hmm. of the time. So he, he certainly trusts, um, my advice. And, you know, over the years, like I, like I said, I, I trained a lot or, you know, I trained alongside Ryan and I have spent a lot of time with, with, um, Jeff Stanton. And like I said, Ricky, uh, Ricky Johnson was a, a coach of mine through the years too. So I, I've learned a lot and I've tried to apply those principles over the year. But ultimately, I just learned a lot by, you know, just from my own career, to be honest Mm -hmm. with you. And then I I feel like I could also add more value to him by putting it in a, breaking it down a little bit more specific. And then obviously I understand on race day that there's only so much information you can take in because there's so much, you know, so many things that are pulling you in each direction during the day that it's, it's tough to really apply much advice. So Mm -hmm. I'm pretty specific about what we work on during the week and also what we can apply on race day and uh yeah i'm I'm happy with the the progress we've made and and we're working really closely together and there's pretty much not anything he's doing during the week that that i haven't scheduled or i'm there supervising with him so yeah it's 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 been a cool process
1: how many days a week do you allow him to golf
4: (laughs) uh it's been a little bit less more and more lately because he's just been a little bit uh, less motivated to get out and do that stuff because he's you know we're trying to work as much as we can and it's a it's a tough thing to balance how much you're recovering versus how much work you're putting out so he's uh certainly understands that a little bit more now this year so there's not a lot of time spent golfing but at the same time it's a great way to clear your mind and and work on your concentration so it's not something that i deter him from doing
1: uh what does he like to work with is he you know it's kind of like repeating my question but is it is it easy is it a pleasure or is it kind of like are you the guy going come on come on get up come on get up we got to train or he seems very highly motivated highly self motivated and uh, you know his personality as well he's very he, he's very analytical and thinks about things so I, I, I could see where you guys would work very well together but has it been smooth from day one or was there ever any resistance
4: uh, like I said there's always been a pretty strong motivation for him to have my help so that hasn't really been a huge problem for me to like sell him on what I'm thinking because he's always kind of you know I wasn't I wasn't really trying to reach out to him to you know to to help him it was the motivation was I guess it was mutual um again you know, we've known each other since you 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 rigged those smarter than a fifth grader things where you gave <laughs> him, where you gave him the answers but yeah really his motivation's always been pretty strong I think that his upbringing his dad was always very you know always has been very involved in his racing and 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 he pushed him to be his best and they they had a lot of success for sure um so I think that has a lot to do with his motivation is um just kind of the way that they've done it forever they took it very serious ever since a very young age um but certainly there's days in which I need to push him to to kind of reach his full potential so it's like a more consistent thing so when we come to the races it's it's not a shock to him the level of
1: Mm-hmm. What went wrong at Anaheim 1 and Anaheim 2?
4: Uh, sometimes I think that uh, he needs to be a little bit more sure of himself and his mindset certainly uh, with every racer. You you obviously always want to get to the front, but you can only do so much each lap. And um, I think he kind of just panicked a little bit and, and tried to do too much. But certainly... You can't really fault a guy for for trying super hard. So, mm-hmm. um, this last weekend he had a couple shaky moments at the beginning of that main, but he pulled together and, and held strong throughout, which was uh, which was really good. And he did some of his best laps at the very end, which you know his competitors didn't. So I think that speaks to our preparation, also him being able to manage the the race, even having some some mistakes. Um, that was a good weekend.
1: You just said he had some shaky moments. He told me earlier today that he was 100% in control that whole Oakland Maine.
4: <laughs> yeah, well the same thing too is like I take my little guys riding and my wife says, "You see that? That was that makes that made me nervous." And I'm like, "Well, I watched Adam all day. That doesn't I mean, it's a lot of times the things that I that you know, like you and I would see where it's like, "Oh, that was a bit of a moment there." He he brushes it off like, "Oh, that was nothing." Yeah. So that's that's what I talk about how trying to keep him on that race pace on a consistent basis and trying to ride his best during the week. So when he comes to the races, the intensity is not a shock to him. So mm-hmm. that's the things we work on.
1: Does he do anything on the bike that blows you away, like a natural talent type thing? Like do you ever watch him just go through the whoops and you're just like, damn, how did he do that? I mean, is, or is everything uh, uh, requires a lot of effort for him, or is it he naturally talented?
4: Yeah, I don't think I've ever really been around some guy besides Kevin Windham where i like, oh, that guy just has a lot of natural talent, but I mm-hmm. think ultimately Windham worked on a lot of basics all over and over and over, where the thing that really is impressive with Adam is his commitment, right? Like, he's, he's like whatever it takes. So yeah. those couple races you mentioned where he had a hard time, I think his strongest attribute can also be his biggest deterrent because he's committed to getting to the front whatever it takes, and sometimes you can only do so much. Mm-hmm. But... Um, certainly have to be conscious of those moments but at the same time that is that is his strongest attribute is his determination to get to the front do whatever it takes to do that so Mm -hmm. that's honestly the biggest thing that that impresses me with him and and um that's that's not necessarily super common
1: yeah one of the things that was always uh a standout about you when you're racing is that i always thought you had perfect style on every section of the track like you could try to take a picture of you bottomed out looking like a goon, and you would still look sick. Like, you always had perfect form, perfect style. And I know, knowing you and your personality, that's something that you worked on, the fundamentals and everything. Um, do you try to work on form and style with him, or is it just speed and technique?
4: Well, for him, he's always – he's he's had speed, so I'm just trying to help him be more consistent with his speed and a little bit, you know, so a little bit less at risk when he's, you know – going for it when he's determined to get to the front um, I think that's what he's needed is a little bit more consistency for sure but there's a fine line between you know finding consistency and being slow and finding consistency and still having you know blazing speed so um, certainly do try to not tell him to be careful you know I obviously want him to be able to push the limits on the speed because sky's the limit for him mm-hmm. but at the same time just trying to reiterate the basics so what he can do is repeatable. Um, yeah, relating back to me, I, I honestly never really worked on stuff too much. But honestly, with racing, the elite class, the track's always at its worst. So it's it's hard to really compete, you know, top five podium positions if you're not pr- pretty strong on the bike. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a, the bigger bikes obviously are, are more demanding and the track's more demanding when you get to that level too. So that was something that I adapted. And certainly if I worked on that type of stuff a bit more, I probably would have had a lot more success, to be honest with you.
1: Is there a riding technique or a body position or something that you've really made a difference in his in his style and, and technique? Like, have you like got him to do one thing significantly better since working with him?
4: Uh, yeah, I think he's always been fast in the corners for sure. But there's a you know we've been trying to work on some things that make him a little bit less susceptible to washing the front. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Anaheim too, he washed the front and exit of the corner, which wasn't ideal, but. You know, he's had some shoulder injuries and some other crashes to where he, he lost the front early in his career. And that's just basically just, you know, his intensity wasn't really matching up with his technique. Um, so, we yeah, we're super specific on some of that stuff. And, you know, that's, it's, it's things that we re- reiterate on a daily basis and try to improve on always, which, you know, there's a lot of guys out here that, that ride great. Um, there's not a ton of guys that have the commitment to, to win like, like he has and just trying to help him match that will to win with um, a cardio base and technique to match.
1: What's he like training, like the physical part of it? I mean, I've seen you guys out on the trails together and stuff. Is he is he in as good a shape as you want him to be in? Is he 100% right now?
4: Well, in the past he's had some, some help from some really good guys, um, so he's learned a lot for sure. Um, we try to incorporate in his training stuff that we feel like he needs to work on, and certainly every athlete is a work in progress. I mean, I think for sure we've made a lot of gains, and there's a lot more to go for sure. Um, but yeah, he's like I said, he's eager to to do better and to learn and to be better. So I'm super happy to you know have the the chance to work with him and and watch him reach his goals. But I feel like for him to be at his the best, Adam Cincirillo, we're we're a bit off. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, when I hear guys say, "Oh, I I want to peak around here," or you know, I don't want to peak too early, like explain that to me. Like, don't you just want to be in the best shape you could possibly be at Anaheim one?
4: Yeah, but I mean, there's a certain there's a certain level of of athlete, right? Because you you know, like I, I race for. 18 years so I was training like a professional athlete should for that long Mm -hmm. and arguably some of the stuff I was doing maybe wasn't helping me be the fastest rider I could be Mm -hmm. but based on that experience and and also just having you know the workload over that amount of time you get a very solid uh, cardio base and then you have someone who's coming in through the amateurs that aren't necessarily doing the the volume of work and then certainly maybe aren't doing the strength training in which they should do to help them um, perform at their best and be a little bit more durable when they're susceptible to crash a little bit more often at a young age. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of, and I'm not saying he's not, he, he's probably, the he's for sure the best Adam he's been, but certainly moving forward to go to the next level, we're going to have to increase the cardio base and strength training Cause it, and that just goes over time. Cause you, can, you can do too much right now and get sick. Yeah but it's something that you need to build up over time. And uh, so we're closely monitoring that thing, that every week and every day, and just trying to strive for him to reach his, his ultimate goal of, of being, a, a, you know, winning a championship here and, and being, and obviously you're kind of always flirting with the work volume to try to be prepared for outdoors as well. Cause it's obviously takes a bit more um, strength and endurance there. So yeah, it's always, it's a constant struggle. Mm-hmm.
1: So shoulder injuries have pretty much haunted him and we talked one time and he said he was just too little and too young and underdeveloped and doing too much. Are you training him a certain way right now to build up muscle to prevent future shoulder injuries or to you know hold him in tighter?
4: Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we do to just try to help with um, durability in general I guess you know because obviously it's a strain on on the body to, to do what we're doing let alone you know, make a mistake and, and come down at all those G-forces with the crash. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of precautions pretty much in most everything we're doing to try to build up the muscles that muscle, muscles around joints and uh, parts of the body that are more susceptible to injury from dirt bike racing. Mm-hmm.
1: Changing channels a little bit here, a little bonus feature on this Adam since a little shadow. Dude, tell me about mini dad life, the kids are ripping.
4: Yeah, it's a bit more than I expected, to be honest with you. Uh, As you've seen, I I brought my little guys out to the the Transworld races, and they, you know, it's like as a super strong base of beginner 50 class, which is like a whole gate of them. Mm -hmm. So even if they get like eight, they feel like they won, right? So right away they were super pumped on on being out there, and then now it's kind of escalated to where like Vincent and Donovan both qualified for Loretta's last year, and then, you know, like I'm nervous because I want to provide them with what they need, and... Um, so, yeah, it's been a lot, like, to keep the bikes going and, and all of that stuff. I tell my dad all the time, man, I cannot believe how much work this was. I really appreciate all that help because, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I've am just now started. I mean, Vincent's nine now and Donovan's six. So it's like it's a slippery slope, man. It's a lot of work. You got a lot of years. Yeah.
1: Uh, hey, shifting back to tonight, it's a mud race. It's going to be a mud race. I'm sure you did plenty of mud races in your career. Uh What sort of advice or uh, counseling have you given Adam towards his approach tonight?
4: Uh, Well, honestly, when it has been raining lately, we've been trying to get to the track and riding. Ride in it. Yeah, ride in it. So like the conditions where it's a little bit slippery or rutted, um, generally the rutted conditions is something that you can get used to. Obviously, you're not going to go out and just splash through puddles because that's not necessarily super technical, but um, a couple weeks ago when it rained, we got multiple days in a row in where the track was super rutted and I actually rode with him to try to make the track a little bit worse um so yeah I feel like uh, we're as prepared as we're going to be for tonight for sure and and just kind of have to have that offensive mindset and go into it as like it's the same for everybody let's go
1: after tonight there's multiple weeks off the west coast guys traditionally start testing and preparing for outdoors Did things change for you training wise um during that amount of during this period of time
4: yeah for sure certainly we'll increase the volume and try to get some outdoor riding and testing in now to try to get ahead of the curve Mm -hmm. the team's done a great job um making some changes to the bike for the season this year that's really helped him he's been able to get great starts and he's been comfortable every time and really generally every mistake has, has been on him he's been super happy with how the bike's been performing so i don't necessarily see a lot of testing time although the change you know the change from supercross outdoor is significant um I feel like they got it pretty wired but like i spent all day yesterday because it rained looking at some tracks in the hills we could go ride out on monday tuesday because we'll be right back out there working on outdoor motos so yeah things will definitely change here quickly probably do a couple weeks of outdoor training and then back into supercross for the one week before the east west round
1: cool. well hey nick thanks for uh sharing some insight as to uh, your role in his position.
4: Yeah, thanks, man. What's up, Swap
5: Moto fans? The Toyota Vescondido Action Sports team supports some of the biggest racers in the sport, like Aaron Plessinger, Shane McElrath, Dean Wilson, Axel Hodges, Colt Nichols, Brian Deegan, and more. With over two decades of supporting racers, we've become known as the place to buy a Toyota truck in Southern California. Toyota Escondido is a proud sponsor of the Swap Moto live show, and all you have to do to get the best deal on a quality Toyota truck is mention the show and tell them you want the action sports special. Check us out online at toyotaescondido.com for more.
0: After keeping the track covered throughout the morning and early afternoon, the track crew removed the tarps just in time for a downpour that turned the track into a quagmire before the single practice session of the day. Though he fell in the slippery condition several times, Adam turned in the fourth quickest time and would line up and heat one.
1: Well, I see the skies opened up and uh, torrential down for a little while. You just went out for practice and you came back and your whole body was the same color as your brown bike.
2: Oh. Um, yeah, it's a kind of a weird deal. We went out there and I, I couldn't really tell where the AMA guy was pointing us, like to go or not. And so I thought they were just the guy was pointing us onto the track, and the the green flag guy was nowhere to be found. So I'm like, I'm gonna go. Uh I'm not gonna get roosted because another like one of the other guys was about to go, and I'm like, all right, I'm gone. And they red flag us. We go back to the start, sit in the rain for five minutes. Like this dude totally power tripping us. The guy who does the flag, just the absolute worst thing. You you hate to see it. Sit on the start. So we go into the first corner. That, like you know, obviously two fifty class, it's a, basically a main event gate drop from the practice. You know, everybody wants to get out of there first. Macarass swerves me like he always does in practice. I mean, like that's like a Macarass special, dude. A Macarass special swerves me, so I kind of bounce off him, bounce on the Suzuki guy, crash in the first corner. Oh, so my got so my gloves got completely soaked. I'm like, all right, just chill, let everybody go. Did a lap, got like was in like third, and I'm like, all right, that's good. Um and so yeah that's how i came back
1: soaked Uh, you did a belly flop home home base slide
2: yeah yeah i did so appreciate that shane thanks man
1: (laughs) so they packed the track real hard before they covered it how was it out there was it It's,
2: it's really not that bad um i you know we're jumping the triple jumping the finish line uh there's a triple and a rhythm section that i did as well um so they did a pretty good job for for what they have you know it's Unfortunate where the rain hit us like kind of right as they were pulling the tarp off, but uh it's not too bad. I mean, it's going to be survival out there for sure. I mean, there's a lot of water. You yeah. know, you're gonna have to stay off the clutch. Standing,
1: standing water, then.
2: Yeah, a lot of standing water. Um, super slick. Not, not so much deep mud. Super, mm. super slick mud.
1: Would that be because they packed it so hard?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, they just packed it so hard, and it's just kind of sloshier on top. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of areas where it's a little bit deeper, and the ruts are a little bit more um, prominent, but. Mostly just, uh, yeah, just standing water.
1: So what are the keys to staying up then? I mean, do you have to alter your riding style, be a little mellow? Oh, yeah.
2: I mean, riding style is pretty much out the door. You just got to be um, super strong on your bike. Um, like when I crashed one of the times out there, I I landed off the wall jump, and I, I just kind of got I 50-50 to rut a little bit, and it's so slick. It just, you know, my front end just washed, and I full-on belly, belly flopped it, like you said. So... Um, just have to avoid little stuff like that. Make sure you're landing kind of in the ruts on the top of the knobbies and not get too uh, not to get not to get too crazy. A couple of the whoops there at the end too, they're they're super rolled out whoops. But a couple of them at the end are it's standing water, of course, so you can't see the bottoms and they're super like almost edged up down there. So you kind of got to stay above some
1: of those spots. Okay, so you said strong on your bike. Does that mean you're like gripping it hard with your knees, or yeah, are you letting it ride it, loose?
2: Gripping it hard, keeping your feet kind of on the pegs a little bit more than you would mm-hmm. you would you know. Typically, put your foot out for the mm-hmm. corner, or, or something like that.
1: So you're still doing all the jumps, you did?
2: Yeah, you I mean, yeah, there. yeah. You're doing pretty much everything. I mean, not, not, not everything we would do normally. I mean, mm-hmm. no. But um, I'm surprised, man. The track is the track. We were doing like a, I think it's like a one-minute lap time. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know what it would be if it was dry, man. It must. Yeah. It, it'd be like a 40-something, yeah.
1: Did they easy? Did they make the track easier than normal because of these conditions? Or is it I would imagine.
2: Track? I would imagine. I mean, I know they they knew rain was coming. They built it on like Monday and Tuesday, super quick. So I'm sure they made it a little easier.
1: So, uh, how did you end up? I think I was fourth. Fourth. Yeah.
2: yeah I, once I hear? once I crashed in the first corner, I could barely feel the grips. My hands were so wet. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, dude, I just need to hit the triple, hit the finish line, and basically just roll the rest of the track. And that was third for a while, and then. Um, ended up for so should be fine. Gives us more time, puts us in the first heat race. So that gives us a little bit more time in between the heat and the main to get the everything sorted.
1: How do you expect the track to deteriorate if it keeps raining between now and heat one?
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know, dude. <laughs> I don't know. It's just gonna get it's just gonna be a slot fest, but it's gonna be uh, gonna get some good starts and have some fun. That's all we can
1: do. Cool. So, for as dirty as you were when you came back. The roll-offs look like they work perfect in the in the Scott goggles.
2: The Scott goggle roll-offs were solid, dude. Solid. Even they survived the belly flop. Yeah.
1: Okay. So done with practice until heat race. What do you do from now on? You're gonna, gonna eat
2: dinner. I'm gonna eat a little bit. Something super quick and light. Maybe some pasta and some chicken, and then um, get stretched out by my my guy Steve Navarro, Navarro. here and and uh, Doctor Feelgood. Yep. Exactly. And then we'll just debrief. Maybe Nick and those guys are up watching the 450s right now, so they'll come back with a little bit of film, see if they're doing anything different, see how the track's breaking down. I'll take a look at that and um, just make sure we get ready in time, and then do a little warm up and head out for the heat.
1: Yeah. So, what will your warm up consist of before you go out for the opening ceremonies, and the first heat?
2: Um, I normally try to do like a eight to ten minute spin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did it. I did a ten minute spin before practice as well. I try to do that before free practice, and then. Um, I won't need as much an extensive of a warm-up now because we did practice at 5, but typically when we get done at 345. Mm -hmm. So I'll do something like a, probably like a, just enough to sweat. So I'll spend until I sweat pretty much. That's where I kind of feel like I'm Mm -hmm. locked in in my zone there. When you
1: you do that, like are you watching your heart rate? Like how hard do you try to warm up?
2: No, I try to keep my heart rate. I mean, I barely, I got a pretty low heart rate. I mean, not not to flex, like it doesn't even matter, but I, I mean, if I get it over 100, but that's fine. Yeah. Just enough to make me sweat.
1: Cool, cool. All right, man. Well, looking forward to seeing you out there leading in the wet conditions. Yeah. Roosting everybody and splashing everybody. Let's do it. So we you, if you're whole shot and there's a big puddle, we go through the middle of it to splash everyone?
2: We don't have a choice, dude. The whole <laughs> track's covered. But absolutely, yeah. No, for sure I'll be I'll be uh roosting the downsides of the jumps, everything. Yeah, you got it it's ruthless out there, dude.
1: Yeah. I
4: don't think.
6: What's up, this is Christian Craig. As a motocross racer, being in top physical shape is a must and my favorite way to train is cycling. And whether it's road biking or mountain biking, I rely on Roy's Cyclery to keep my bikes in perfect running order.
0: Roy's Cyclery has been servicing Old Town Upland, California since 1962. Mention the Swap Moto Life podcast for additional discounts in the shop. In the heat race, Adam rode steadily and did his best to avoid mistakes as he went on to finish a solid second behind Monster Energy, Star Racing, Yamaha's Dylan Ferrandes.
1: All right, so Adam, second in the heat. You had kind of a close call out there. Did I? The, I don't know. the dude that went down right in front of you, who was oh, it? Oh,
2: Jerry Robin, dude. Yo, I don't know that guy, like, in person or anything, but I, I could have swore to you he had a gun to his head. <laughs> when I, when he was out in front of me, like oh like, I know sometimes I'm sketchy, but dude. My man was like he was in the Roman Colosseum <laughs> facing Russell Crowe one one on one, dude. Holy shit! Going aggro. I, oh my god, man. No disrespect at all. Like obviously he's just doing his best and he's a good rider. But oh my god, I was like, like I'm gonna die. Like, I'm yeah. like I'm gonna die. We're both gonna die. And then sure enough, he ended in front of me and I I missed his face by about six yeah, inches. Yeah, barely. <sighs> Early, early. It's tough, man. It's but like, the sports, you know, you get your aggro out there, especially when you're not used to getting good starts and you get out there.
1: So yeah. So what were you saying? You went off the triple the first lap and uh, no, not
2: the first lap. So, so first, I go into the first corner for one, and there's so much standing water on the start straight, couldn't see a thing. Yeah. Like I mean, I'm talking like maybe a, like the top of my pinky worth of vision, and that's no exaggeration. Like I, I was going blind based off like the sound of the other guys until I to where I could pull a tear off. And then, um, yeah, about five laps in, I was... Let's see what's going down here. Hampshire. Oh, Oh, no. Oh, my teammate. That's not good. Um, Anyway, I couldn't see going off the face of the triple like three or four times because it was just a tough area, especially with the lappers right there. So, yeah, yeah, it's just like my subconscious was... I, I was telling you down there earlier, I was like... My subconscious was like, I'm like, am I going to really do this? My subconscious is like, yep, let's do it.
1: <laughs> so how bad is the track right now compared to practice?
2: It's substantially worse. Um, yeah, it's it's not that good. I is mean,
1: it, Has it gotten sticky because it stopped raining?
2: It's not. I mean, yes, it's stickier, but I wasn't expecting it to get as deep as it did. Like, So it's not... It's not thick, but the ruts are super deep. So that all the transitions are filled with water. Mm. So I went into a transition one lap, like right after the start. There's an you go left and you go on off, and then you go right, and then there's another on off where we're going, uh, double table into and then rolling the next two, and I jumped into a like a water rut, mm-hmm. and at the it was a hole, and it almost stopped me. It almost knocked the wind out of me. Like, it, <laughs> so you just have to be super careful of not the whoops are the same thing on the bottom of the whoops they're so um like kind of almost like you would say cupped out but they're like crazy edges so you just got to be really careful where you put your bike out there
1: how many of the jumps would you say you're doing percentage wise
5: Mm,
2: i mean it (sighs) jumps compared to if we're doing dry or i mean like we're doubling all the rhythms pretty Mm -hmm. much and hitting the triple hitting the finish line i don't know i'd say we're doing probably like Fifty percent, sixty percent of the stuff that we would be doing yeah. otherwise. Like we're not going on off or not doing any on offs. Yeah. Just basically doubles, and then gotta make sure you get lined up to hit the triple.
1: So it looks like there's some big standing water puddles out there.
2: Yeah, it's it's a it's a lot of water. Like I, I haven't ridden. Obviously, we had Seattle last year, um, but beyond that, Seattle was super just sticky and slimy. This is like daytona 08 type like not really i mean it's not that bad but it's a lot of standing water so you get next to somebody and go to pass them yeah like if you go across the start straight and you try to pass somebody it's you're done i mean you can't see it's over like your goggles are going to be done it's over
1: cool so So, did you learn anything you can come up here
2: my girlfriend's giving me a drink here
1: did you learn anything in that race that you're going to apply to the main
2: gotta chill out yeah i mean i mean i didn't like really scare myself or anything but you just, like, I just have to get, like, a basically the game plan is just kind of start closest to the inside, like, as much as we can. Mm-hmm. And then let those guys clean each other out in the first corner, hopefully. I mean, I mean not hopefully. I mean, I hope, now, obviously, not hoping anybody crashes. Yeah. But, you know, hope everybody pushes wide. Yeah. Sneak on the inside, and then you just got to, everybody's going to make big mistakes. Like, that's just, that's a fact. The so, guy that doesn't, like, I revert back to Colt at A1. When you watch him on film, he was basically just doing the jumps, riding smooth, and he mm. won by, like, 16 seconds. So, yeah. that, Mitchell that, Beach that Beach. would, exactly. That, I mean, if you get a start and you ride good and you stay up, it's going to be very, it would be kind of tough for me to pass you out there right now, to be honest with you. <laughs> if I was behind well, you and you were just, and you were just doubling stuff, yeah. you know. As long as you, you got to hit the triple, you got to hit the finish line, and then beyond that, stay up.
1: Yeah. Is there a strategy to managing your goggles throughout a race? Like the main event's, you know, quite a bit long. No, we have
2: roll-offs, so pretty much unlimited. Um, is there
1: tear-offs on top before the I roll-off? just
2: have one tear-off on top of my roll-offs, but it's more so managing the clutch. The clutch. You see me rolling it back a lot, mm-hmm. taking the putting play back into the clutch, so it doesn't obviously grind it as much.
1: So Brandon is washing the bike right now, and he's going to put a clutch in it, right?
2: Yep. Yeah, we, yep. we'll put a new clutch in, and...
1: Was that thing pretty smoked by the end of the heat? Or no, it was fine. Was it
2: a no. Yeah, I mean, I, I try to go through a lot of the corners without my finger even on it because mm-hmm. I, I mean, and I roll it back as much as I can, you mm-hmm. know. I'm not in the air that much out there, but when I do, on, on the triple and the finish line, I try to roll it back a little. Yeah.
1: Have you ever rolled the clutch too much? Back? Yeah, like, like to try to... Adjust it and adjusted it too far. No.
2: Forward. Never. No, no, I'm not. I'm not adjusting it to get tighter. Oh, you're loosening. I'm it. loosening. It. Oh. So geez. it take it puts play, puts play back in it. So in other words, the clutch, oh, is, the clutch up. isn't as tight. So okay. as the as the bike gets hotter, the whatever expands and it makes it tighter and tighter. Yeah. So I roll it back as it gradually gets hotter. So it doesn't. Basically, if I would never roll it back.
1: Yeah, it would, it would slip the whole time,
2: yeah. and then my clutch would be smoked like I'd smoked in the heat race at Seattle. So we're already better than we were at Seattle last year. No LCQ. That feels great.
0: Cool.
1: All right, man. Well, uh, good luck yeah, in the main. Yep. Go dry off. Yeah, let's do it. Changing your, what, third pair underwear today? Yeah, four. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. Thanks.
0: The main event went perfectly for Cianciarulo. Adam grabbed a huge hole shot at the drop of the gate and established an immediate lead that he would enjoy to the finish. In winning his third main event of the year, AC also took over the championship points lead as the series takes a multi-week break.
1: All right, AC, start to finish kind of went exactly like you uh, would have written your own script.
2: Yeah, it was, it was awesome, man. Uh, the, the whole day was stressful, the schedule was weird, and um, days like this are are tough mentally, you know, you, thoughts creep in, like, you know, what if this happens, what if that happens? And it's just normal. Everybody goes through the same thing. But you just have to keep pushing those thoughts out, pushing those thoughts out. And I had, you know, I kind of told myself earlier in the week because I knew it was going to be like this, I kind of told myself no matter what I do, I'm going to wake up and have the best attitude I possibly can um, and just to attack it, you know, and have an offensive mentality, you know, not go in a lot of the times um, last year or even when I do bad this year, the, the couple Anaheims, so I kind of have a more of a defensive mindset and a sense of you know don't mess up don't mess up this I just kind of had an offensive mindset my game plan was to get the start and and just be smooth and try to be in first gear a lot not um use the clutch burn the clutch up too Mm -hmm. much and that's exactly what happened I mean I was sitting on the gate and I was visualizing myself coming out of the gate and not having anybody to my left or my right and I mean it was just like a movie I just did it and it was exactly I mean it couldn't have been any better I didn't even have any pressure from the beginning Mm -hmm. because you know who knows what's going on behind you when it's muddy like that so just proud of the team, um, proud of myself for, for getting it done. And, you know, when it's, like I said, you know, when it's like this, when these conditions, it feels that much better just because it's, it is so difficult to do. And, you know, to see my teammate Garrett get second to make it a PC one, two, man, that's just icing on the cake. It's, I I love, you know, winning and, and succeeding for myself, but also for seeing the other people that, you know, are there with you week in, week out. And, you know, these, guys at pro circuit have been with me since i was a little little kid you know i've been on the team since i was 16 years old and um you know like i said just little kids so seeing them happy and seeing them excited it's almost as you know as good as the feeling you feel yourself
1: so once you got out front was it was it nerve-wracking at all like when you caught the lappers
2: yeah it was nerve-wracking but i mean at the same time i didn't have pressure i had like a 10 second gap for a lot of it um so I just made sure I looked really far ahead. When I saw yellow flags, I I looked ahead to see what rut the the lappers had fell down in, so I could you know you know make the proper adjustments and um, just try to stay really strong on the bike and you know just try to be sure of myself and um, yeah it worked out for us.
1: Were there any close calls? It seems like I saw you going. Sideways in the whoops once or twice.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I was sideways a lot, but it's hard not to be out there. I mean, I don't think you'd find one person. Maybe Nick Way, perhaps, could go straight out there the whole time. But at a snail's pace. Out a snail's pace, for sure. But, um, yeah, it was, I was sideways for sure. The whoops, I kind of found out that the left side of the whoops at the end was a little bit better. And I was watching the heat race, the 450 heat races after my heat. And nobody was going on the left. It was still kind of sloshy. And I'm like, I wonder why nobody's going over there. Like, there must be something wrong. Mm-hmm. And then i halfway through the main. I'm like, I'm, i got to try this. i got to see if it's better. And it was way better. So really? much easier. It was, it was still sloshy. Like, from when it rained a lot, mm-hmm. it wasn't so ruddy. So I was just super easy just to roll through there. And I was kind of bummed I didn't do it earlier. But, mm. um, yeah, some sketchy moments. But that's a mud race.
1: So you were saying this is the first time that you've, uh, you've got two back-to-back?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's the first time I've gotten two back-to-back, which, um, you know, it's nice for me because I've always been a guy that's kind of <sighs> a little bit up and down. I mean, for sure, to you know, to say the least, I've been up and down. But like I told you earlier, I've changed a lot of stuff in my program over the past, since summer, really, since I got surgery on my knee. I kind of just reinvented myself for the 75th time and um, really just trying to find nitpick and find every little thing I can do because – you know when I look back in my career I don't want to not to get too deep but when I look back in my career I don't want to say um, oh I should have done this I should have done this I started making a lot of decisions for myself mm-hmm. um, because I feel like I, I know myself best and I'm a smart I'm a smart guy I mean, not be cocky or anything but I feel like I'm pretty aware of my surroundings and what's going on and really taking a lot of responsibility um, for myself and, and my actions and man it's just paid off so much I'm just I'm such a more mature rider when I'm out there so mm-hmm. much um you know, present in the moment and just uh, just really enjoying life and just enjoying coming to the races and having fun.
1: Yeah. You won the last race before the break, got the red red plate. Yep. Um, what does that do for confidence, like, uh, you know, going into the break?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a lot of confidence, and, um, you know, I haven't had the red plate since, you know, I was basically a boy. Yeah. You know, I look back at pictures of me when I was that old, and I thought it was – you know big time then and thought I was nice you know big guy racing with the pros and I look like a little you know just a little 12 to 13 rider at Loretta's or something so yeah. it's been a while um the confidence is there I mean the confidence has been there all year I, I I really made sure that you know the only way you can you know get confidence is you can either you can either win or you can be super confident in your program and do everything that you can and you that you know everybody talks about that sit on the gate knowing you've done everything you can and that's what I did this off season, you know, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I had to, I had to do that. I was coming off an injury, you know, I was kind of the favorite for the title, but at the same time, it's like, I hadn't raced since May, you know? So I really locked down on my program. And so I had a lot of confidence coming in. I'm like, there's nobody that's going to be where I'm at right now. That was just mm-hmm. my mindset, not being cocky. Everybody else is, you know, obviously I respect every other competitor, but, um, yeah, I, yeah, kind of lost the, lost the point there, but, um. Feels good, though. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, yeah, obviously it's confidence, but at the same time, it's, you know, we got five races left, and I think I have an eight-point lead, so, I mean, I was eight points down two weekends ago, so it's easily can change all these guys, you know, you have Plessinger, Plessinger. Nichols. <laughs> Nichols. Yeah. You got Nichols, um, Ferrandis, and, and MacArthur, all those guys are, are super good, and they know what they're doing, so they're going to, you know, they're going to be there, they're going to be gunning for me, and there's going to be a lot of battles, and the points are going to probably stay close until the end, so... I just gotta continue to get better, not get complacent. You know, mm-hmm. I have been here before; it has been a while, but I don't feel, um, you know, I'm not like overconfident in a sense of, you know, I'm counting everybody out like the title's mine or anything. So I really gotta, um, I gotta stay focused and mm-hmm. go from there.
1: Hey, what was the butt patch tonight? That symbol.
2: Oh yeah, it's a Blink 182 butt patch. What I didn't even it? look at it <laughs> one time. I didn't even look at it. Dang it! But yeah, it's the Blink 182 logo because they're they're based out of San Diego, or they were based out of San mm-hmm. Diego. They Formed in San Diego in 1993 when uh, you know Tom DeLonge and Mark Hoppus met each other.
1: <laughs> nice man. Well, hey, thank you for uh, for letting us tag along today, and it was kind of like a fairy tale It worked out yeah, perfect.
2: Perfect, yeah. I hope uh, I hope everybody enjoys it. I enjoyed doing it. Hopefully, they enjoyed the little behind the scenes
1: insight. Cool. Thanks.
0: You've been listening to the Swap Motor Live podcast show presented by ozio and hosted by my dad Don Mera.
6: Thanks for listening.